0: I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Therefore, let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time when you may be found. Surely, in the rush of great waters, they shall not hide him. You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from troubles. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. I will instruct you and teach you in the ways you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Be not like a horse or a mule without understanding, which must be curbed with bit and bridle, or it will not stay near you. Many are the sorrows of the wicked, but steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Let's pray together. Oh, Lord, how we thank you for your word, which is truth. And we pray that now you would be our teacher, that you would guide us in the way that we ought to go, that you would show yourself that your Holy Spirit would do his work today. And we pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. What a privilege to be able to be here with you today. We love all of our children's churches, uh, all four of our children and their their families. And so we we love you all, and we appreciate you ministering to our children and grandchild and soon to be grandchildren here. Um, We are grateful for you, and you're entering such an exciting new phase And uh, we are excited with you and for you. So let me ask you a question. Have you ever had, I don't know which way he usually turns this, but uh, have you ever had a a day where you wished you could have a do-over? Of course you have. (laughs) Uh, A few years ago, um, I I left our house. As he mentioned, I retired about a year ago, but I was headed to church early in the morning, and uh, the sun was coming up. I was still in uh, our neighborhood uh, driving my little RAV4, and I, I turned a corner, and the sun just totally flashed out my windshield. And blinded me just for a second or two. I hit the brakes as soon as that happened, but it was not quickly enough, and my car went up on a trailer of some yard people, <laughs> and I, w- I, I hit this way, and uh, in, almost immediately with. A couple of seconds I was hit from behind by another lady in our neighborhood we were both weren't going very fast but the same thing happened to her and she never saw me now uh, I climbed out of uh, my vehicle I was fine the lady behind me was fine I will always be grateful there was nobody on the trailer or anywhere anywhere near it so I had to deal with that in starting my day by the time I got to the church The rest of the day, I I was recounting it, thinking, what could I have done differently? What should I have done differently? And here's this this car that now i got to deal with, and insurance, and all these different things. And I would love to have had a redo. I would love to have started my day over. I'm not the first one, obviously, that uh, would love to have a redo on a day. I won't be the last, but I'll tell you, the one that we're talking about today, David, I'm sure, wished that he could have had a rewind, a a redo, but it just doesn't work that way. So we're in Psalm 32, and just by way of introduction to that, uh, if you see in the scripture, it says a masculine, and of David, and what that means is a giving of instruction. So, Psalm 32 needs to be taken as a, a companion, uh, psalm, psalm 51, which is the psalm about David's repentance. David, uh, he had many sins in his life, but the most notorious uh, no doubt for most of us, would be uh, when he committed adultery with Bathsheba, manipulated so that uh, her husband, Uriah, would go to the front line and surely be killed. All of that happened. Uh, A child was conceived, and uh, he covered up his his sin for a while. He was in denial about it he was confronted, and he dealt with it. He had to deal with it. And Psalm 51 is uh, a record of him dealing with that sin. One of the things he says in Psalm 51 is, after going through this, uh, uh, this repentance and into this forgiveness, he says, Then I will teach transgressors your God's ways and sinners will return to you, it is likely that Psalm 32 is fulfilling that, is the teaching that he is talking about. So we're going to quickly go, go through it. Uh, you see in verse 1 it said, blessed, it says, Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Uh, blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. This was Augustine's favorite psalm. He loved it so much that he had it inscribed in the wall next to his bed as he was dying so that he could continue to meditate on it. Uh, He liked it because this is what Augustine said. The beginning of knowledge is to know oneself. He doesn't stop there, though. The beginning of knowledge is to know oneself to be a sinner. Augustine was so convinced of that right up until his death. He reminded himself of that. So if someone says to you or asks you, uh, Do you know what the most blessed estate is? Well, the most blessed estate is sinlessness. That's the ultimate peace with God. Complete, uh, uh, without being without sin, uh, your relationship with God would be completely unhindered, unencumbered by the things that would draw us away from God. We would have the same relationship with the Father that Jesus has. He was utterly blessed. But because we've sinned, We can never be sinless. So do you know what the second most blessed estate is? It's being forgiven. The repentant sinner who is forgiven. In the Old Testament, the word uh, blessed speaks of uh, a right standing with God. In the New Testament, the word speaks of uh, a completeness, a, a being whole. Now, my wife Connie and I um, are doing what is called uh, has been called death cleaning. (laughs) D e a t h. That's right, cleaning. Now, it's not we know we will die, but it's not because we know it to be any time particularly soon. We don't know it not to be either. Uh, But someone who uh, knows my, my wife's gifts and uh, her love to to organize, gave her the, this book. It's called The Gentle Swedish Art of Death Cleaning. <laughs> Isn't that a great Christmas gift? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, she got the book, she read it, and the point of the book is actually very good. It's uh, you know, basically uh, clean up your junk before you die so that then when you die, your kids won't have to do it. So it, it's like a, a gift to your children, and it fit perfectly with, with how Connie thinks and so on. And so I, I, I now say that, uh, uh, you know, I'm down to like two shirts and things like that. That's not true, but, uh, but we, we've been doing that. And so, we make a lot of trips to donate things because we're continually doing it. And every time we donate to the Salvation Army near us, and every time I, I go and I unload uh, some stuff, it's like, ah, that, that feels good. It's like if you have a garage that's been really messy and you clean it up and you just kind of stand back and look at it and go, ah. Well, that's blessedness. <laughs> that's the idea, that, that, that ah. So who are the blessed when it comes to uh, uh, the Scripture? Uh, well, those, according to this psalm, whose sin is covered, there's two kinds of uh, uh, covering for sin. Our way, man's way. Man has figured out that we have to deal with our sin, so we try to cover it, and then there's, there's God's way. So how does man try to cover his sin? Well, several ways, lots of ways. One is by denial. Remember what happened in the Garden of Eden? Uh, you know, they tried to cover their shame with leaves it didn't work. They realized it didn't work. That's what happens when we try to cover uh, our own sin. It, at best, it works partially, and at best, it's temporary when we try to, to, to cover our sin. Other ways people try to cover their sin is by refusing to confess, by lying about it, by rationalizing um, the problem is, it doesn't really cover our sin. Re- remember the, the accident I was telling you about at the beginning? Now, again, I wasn't hurt. I want to clarify that. But but let's pretend for a moment that uh, after that accident, I looked down and my arm was all mangled. I don't want to get, you know, too gross here. But, but imagine that. And I looked down. And I, I had my sleeves rolled up, which I normally would do. And I said, oh, it's all right. Um, I, uh, and I rolled down my sleeve. I said, as long as I can't see it, I'm fine. <laughs> well, there's no way. It's ridiculous. But that's really what we do when we ignore our sin. When we pretend like it's not there, as long as I'm, I'm not dealing with it, everything We'll be fine. Again, our attempts to cover sin are at best temporary. It's our sin is going to come out in some way at some time, and when it does, it'll have to be dealt with in some way. So, what is God's way of dealing with sin? Well, it's forgiveness. When God uh, hides our sin out of sight, it's covered, it's carried away, and that is blessedness. That's the, ah, that forgiveness, that state of forgiveness. David continues on, he says in verse 3, For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me, my strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. Uh, remember the, the, the condition before uh, David made his peace with God. He said, my bones wasted away. We used to, um, when Abby was still at home, we had a dog named Hunter. And as Hunter got older, every time he would he, he'd sit down, he would groan. And then when he would lie down, he would groan again. It was like, ugh. And I find myself doing that now, (laughs) the older I get. Uh, This groaning is not just that. Um, I've seen the groaning that he's talking about here often with people who have just experienced a, a great loss, who are in grief. All they can do is groan. This week we got a phone call from somebody in the church uh, and they said, they gave the lady's name, they said that she fell, and she's in intensive care, and they don't expect her to live. And I, I didn't do it because of this, but, but my response was, oh. It's like, what do you say to that? Except to groan. And, and that's what he's saying. That's, what, that's where he was with his sin. <clears throat> he says, your sin was heavy upon me. He felt uh, conviction. He felt guilt. Now sometimes people deal with false guilt, uh, uh, that that is because of things in their background or baggage they're carrying. But this guilt was something because of something very real that he's describing. He he should have been groaning because he hadn't dealt with his sin. As was mentioned, I pastored churches for 41 years and, and more than once I, I got a phone call where a young man would be on the other end of the, the line and say, I've got I've to talk to you as soon as possible and I can't do it on the phone. Now, I pretty well knew what had happened? I didn't know the specifics, but I pretty well knew what I would be hearing when he came in. That's that's what it is to be uh, under that heavy hand of God that can be upon us. It's a good thing. It's good for us. He says, my strength was dried up as the heat of summer. Um, Boy, we don't even need to to explain that, do we? (laughs) And if you've ever been dehydrated, you know not only do you feel sick then, but your strength is sapped for days after that. Uh, David's guilt was devouring him. So what was the remedy? Well, the same remedy as it is for us. He says this, verse 5, I acknowledge my sin to you and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. So he's saying, I acknowledged. You see the difference? Previously, he had covered. Now, he acknowledged. Now, we all know he didn't tell God anything God didn't already know. But his heart had changed when he was willing to. To acknowledge it to God. He quit trying to deal with the the sin himself, either by covering it or ignoring it or denying it. And he acknowledged it to God. And forgiveness is immediate and complete in Jesus Christ. We need to accept that by faith. Sometimes that's the hard part, to accept that we've been forgiven. He says, verse 6, therefore, let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you uh, at a time when you may be found. Surely in the rush of great waters they shall not reach him. David wants everyone to know. He's testifying. His testimony is, I've got a renewed sense of of safety now. And he even says, verse 7, you are my uh, hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. So this very one whose hand was so heavy on David is now his protector. See, that's where the joy of forgiveness is. It's, and then from God, the, this, these are words from God, verse 8. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Be not like a horse or a mule without understanding, which must be curbed with bit and bridle, or it will not stay near you. So, he's using an illustration. Here, the encouragement is, come to him willingly. And he's speaking from experience. He's saying, don't wait till you're cornered, or you don't have any other other way out or you get caught come willingly David had been there and then he says this verse 10 many are the sorrows of the wicked but steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord so the question then becomes can you believe that God could really love you with the things you have done, the things we confessed earlier. Are you really at the point of believing that he could love you? The Puritan John Owen said, the greatest sorrow and burden you can lay on the Father, the greatest unkindness you can do to him. If I just stopped there, what would you say? What's the greatest unkindness you could do to God? Owen said this, is not to believe that he loves you. That's how much his love is for you. So the right response for the one who's experienced God's forgiveness, the right response for the one who's experienced God's love is to worship God. You know, our tendency might be to want to pay him back. We can't pay him back. The cost is too high. We sang earlier in uh, Come Thou Fount. Streams of mercy never ceasing call for songs of loudest praise. You get it? It's saying the same thing. These mercies we get from God, we don't pay him back, but we lift up our, our voices to him. That's the only right response. So David describes his worship. Verse 11, Be glad in the Lord and rejoice the righteous and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. So who are the upright? You may not feel upright, but the upright, those who can shout for joy, are those that are in the state of blessedness, You're sinless, yes, but we can't be. And so it's forgiveness. Some of you, like David, would like to have a rewind to a day ago, a week ago, a year ago. The bad news is there is no rewind in this life. It doesn't work that way. We can never be sinless once we have sinned But Jesus was sinless. The good news is that even though there is no rewind, the perfect one went to the cross to pay for our sinful lives. And when we trust in him alone for our salvation, his righteousness is imputed. There's a theological word. It's imputed to us. It is given to us our sinful life is given to him his righteousness is given to us and that puts us in a state of blessedness and so we're coming to the table of communion as solemn as communion should be and often is because we're looking deeply at our sinfulness it should be even more joyful when we are forgiven, he would say, Rejoice, you upright in heart. Let's bow together. Lord, how contrary to uh, the way our world would think of this when when we have let you down, when we have not done what you have asked us, we've ignored it, we've tried to cover our own sin, and yet the Lord Jesus went to the cross exactly for that. We thank you, we pray, that you will give us hearts open to you, hearts of repentance that will then be hearts of joy.